Team Retire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Team Retire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my game starts to slide, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear, I have no fear. If my brother got my gun, my brother got my gun. Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right here? Are we right here? Tobacco Road Sports here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel. Oh, we look like the damn bad news bears. We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. Man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the way out of me. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you hooked. I'm going to come right back at him. Soldier. You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Like to have everybody's attention for a moment. There's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. He's in the world is James Harden better scorer than Michael Jordan. No, he's a more creative in that. He, Traveling he, is not creative, he Brandon. Doesn't, he doesn't. You know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on, whatever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys? Right? <laughs> this conversation. I lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys football. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Listen up, listen up. Welcome to The Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. And happy Saturday morning, beautiful Saturday morning here in the triad. You are locked and loaded in with the rundown. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, per usual, every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and on WWBG 1470 a.m. in the triad. Larry Frank from Frankly Speaking Sports joining us this morning from Sports Illustrated. Skylar Callahan in the house and from the hotness of North Dakota. Brandon Blakeney making an appearance on the rundown uh, this morning. Uh, loaded, loaded, loaded Saturday on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. If you miss franchise players or the score with Brett Wiseman yesterday, those will be on later on this afternoon starting at 12 noon. Sports Wire uh, Live is on at 2.30. Our nightcap Carolina Cobras versus the San Antonio Gunslingers NAL football action. Coach Rez got the boys on the road leading the NAL right now. That game is a 8 p.m. kickoff. We will have that for you here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio as well. Starting off, though, um, glad we got Skyler Beatrider for the Charlotte Hornets on with us this morning because there's a lot to talk about regarding what in the world the Hornets did uh, over the past, I don't know, 72 hours or so. Uh, if you, In case you missed it, the Charlotte Hornets had the 13th and 15th selections in the first round of the 2022 NBA draft on Thursday night. Uh, drafted, drafted who many considered the best center in the draft with the 13th pick. Ended up trading that off uh, immediately. 
with the 15th pick, they selected who uh, we had thought was going to be attached to them in the first place, uh, Duke center Mark Williams. And then about a day or so later, the Hornets hire a familiar face uh, to take the role of head coach, um, Steve Clifford. Many of you will remember, uh, took the Hornets to the playoffs twice in five years during the Kimba Walker, Kimba, ugh, excuse me, the Kimba Walker era. Uh, kind of popped up out of nowhere as a candidate and zoomed by Mike D'Antoni. Uh, Skyler, let's just start off. For, well, let's start off with the hire first. Uh, how surprised were you that Steve Clifford was hired to, to coach the Hornets? And is this good or bad? <laughs> because I'm kind of seeing a little both here. I kind of understand why they did it, but in a way, I kind of don't. So walk me through this here. Why is Steve Clifford the best choice for the uh, the Hornets right now? I don't know if he's the best choice, but um, <laughs> it was kind of surprising. Um, I, I wouldn't say surprising in, in terms of that he got the job, but I think when the rumors first started flying around that there was interest uh, from both sides, that that was kind of surprising. And then after that, it kind of seemed like everything was going to head in that direction. So – you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't know what happened with Mike D'Antoni. Um, we tried to get um, confirmation about whether or not that that interview happened, and he, Mitch Kupchak, didn't want to say anything. So I felt like he knew that, that this was going to come out soon, but he didn't want to give it away. So, you know, when I look at Steve Clifford, like, I, I don't think he's a bad coach at all, like, maybe one of the best defensive coaches in the league and has a, a well-respected resume. Um, and I think a lot of people think highly of him. But when you look at everything that Mitch Kupchak has said this offseason, whether it's he wants the young guys to play more, he wants a new voice, he wants to continue to play up-tempo, and then you go and get a guy that likes to play his veterans. You got a guy that has a familiar voice, not a new voice. And you got a guy that just – I just I don't know how they're going to continue to play the way they have in that up tempo, fast paced style when they're going to be focusing more on the defensive side. When you play more defense, you're going to weigh yourself down more. So is that same speed going to be there? I don't know. It's just very contradicting. Um, and honestly, I think it was a panic move. I think it it was a a bit of a reach to to go get Steve and bring him back, but. It, to me, it just felt like a desperation move. It did kind of smell like that a little bit uh, in terms of – it just kind of came out of nowhere, really. Uh, and I was trying to remember why Steve Clifford was fired in the first place because uh, he had, had some yeah. fairly you know decent success. But it felt like, if I remember correctly, they wanted a new voice. Uh, they had some young players. And like you said, Skyler, they wanted to see the young guys play. So they went for more of a developmental coach, and that's how James Borrego got here. Um, and to an extent, I think that's why Kenny Atkinson had took the lead uh, and ultimately was offered the job. But you're right. I can't figure out what they're doing in terms of how they're going to play. And I was talking about this on Franchise Players Monday night with uh, J.P. Mundy and Ryan Stone, where people were so concerned about who the player was going to be that the Hornets picked. And I'm thinking, how do you know who to pick if you don't know what offense you're going to run? Like, So going back, let's go back as I bring in Brandon Blakeney here to the draft, uh, we kind of all knew that um, Mark Williams was probably the one they were targeting just off of the situation the Hornets were in. You didn't know what kind of offense you were going to be running, but you knew no matter what, you needed a rim protector. You needed a, someone that could be down in the paint and intimidate guys. And I joke about it all the time, right? I was a Carolina fan. 
Uh, Mark Williams affects shots. <laughs> Mark Williams affects you coming into the lane. You know he's there. So, like, you – I saw so many times where he might not have got the block, but he altered the shot or he made mm-hmm. you think twice about how you were going. And the Hornets had nothing like that. So, I get them drafting him. I'm fine with that. Um, I've had to ex- I've had to explain this a couple times to people. Skylar, tell me if I'm right or wrong with this. They traded off the 13th pick to create cap room so they could try to retain Miles Bridges, correct? Yeah, that, that was partially – uh, part of it but I think they also too like they they knew that they wanted to to get picks moving forward and like Mitch said like they didn't have a 2023 first round pick next year so now they do have that they have some extra uh, second round picks which they traded to anyways to, to trade back up to get Bryce McGowan's but I, I think some of it was to get some of that cap space but I also think some of it was to make sure that they had extra picks moving forward and I'm, I was going to tell you, I might write up something for Bryce McGowan for uh, SI for the Swarm, because uh, I assume he's – I think uh, Cup said that he was going to be a two-way player most of the year anyway. So, yeah. I assume you'll see a lot of him in Greensboro, and I know a lot of people don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, oh, that's a big pickup. That's a very, very nice pickup. Tell me a little bit about him, because I don't, I don't know anything about this kid. Uh, what do you know a little bit about him, Brandon? Um, that picked up in, high- in Minnesota. Yeah, I covered him in high school, man. 6'6", six, six, big-time athlete three-level scorer, and I think his best basketball is definitely ahead of him. He's a young kid, um, coachable. I think he's going to be exciting, and he's going to be a familiar name because he's from South Carolina, went to Nebraska, but he's from South Carolina. So, you know, there will be that familiarity there, and uh, I think he'll fill some seats too, man. So, okay, so uh, I got questions then because now this really doesn't make the Steve Clifford pick make any sense because it feels like – I'm trying to think. Yes, he was playing a lot of veterans when he was here the first time. But as I look at this roster, the veterans are like Gordon Hayward is 30. <laughs> you know, like the rest of them are all like under the age of 30. There are no veterans, really. Uh, they're all like in mid-20s or whatnot. So maybe that changes how he goes about his rotations. Larry, where were your thoughts watching this? You texted me yesterday afternoon. I think you were the first one to text me uh, that they had hired Steve Clifford. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw the news? And is it a good look or a bad look for Charlotte? I'm torn, and I'll tell you why I'm torn on this uh, pick. First of all, Steve Clifford, first of all, he was here once before. You know, I, I'm not into these uh, organizations. I think the only team that was ever successful bringing coaches back once they let him go was the Yankees and Billy Martin. But other than that. They let him go like six times, though, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, but I'm just not a favorite because there was a reason you let him go the first time. Why are you bringing him back? That's number one. Number two, if you look at Steve Clifford, and if I remember Steve correctly, I think he was with the Magic at one time. Yeah. Was with a couple, it was with the Hornets. The one thing I noticed about Steve, and I don't know, first of all, he's made, yes, he's made the playoffs four of seven years he's head coaching. One of those, remember, was the uh, COVID era where they did that play-in tournament to see. So he was only 33 and 40 that year, even though he gets credit for making the playoffs, which is not a good year. But it seems like every team that he takes over, he starts out successful, but he deteriorates as the years go on, which is exactly the opposite of what you want a coach to do. They may start out real slow and then get better, but that's not Steve Clifford. Also, Steve Clifford is a defensive coach, and I think that's what Michael Jordan really liked about him. He has been known to take defenses and do real well. And, you know, this is the problem I have in the NBA. 
Just because you're a well-respected assistant coach does not mean you will be a well-respected head coach, okay? This guy has had his chance. So say he's made the he's made the, um, the playoffs three out of seven years. I'm taking the COVID year out of it. And I think two of those playoffs were first year as a, as a head coach in two different organizations. So what has happened, the rest of it, they put his formula in place. They get used to his formula or system, whatever way you want to word it. And it doesn't seem to work correctly in the NBA. I'm torn between it. I know he's well-respected, but to me, and uh, you know, the expression I would use, it was not the sexy move. You know, I think I wanted D'Antonio out of the two. I really did. I've seen people go towards that D'Antoni one, and I think me and Skyler were a little like, ah, uh, because every place he's been, he's taught zero defense. So it was like right. w- watching this Hornets team throughout the past year, year and a half or so with LaMelo running it, offense hasn't been their problem. They've been able to score whenever. It's it's when they come out flat and they're down 25 with like eight minutes to go in the second quarter and they have to like fight all night to get back to, to you know, a legitimate type of game. That seemed to be their issue, where they would either come out flat or. Well, let me ask you: Is that defense? Does, I don't know. Is that defense or is that preparation? Because when a team comes out flat at the beginning of a game, to me, it's preparation because you're not prepared for what they had to bring out to begin with, and then you're trying to make adjustments, and before you know it, you're down, like you said, by 15, 20 points, and now it's time to play some offense because yeah. you got to start scoring. So. I agree with you that they, point attempts in a game and that kind of stuff where they're just launching a three every time they come down. Right. Uh, and so I agree with you that the they did hurt Charlotte at the beginning of the games, but I don't know how much defense that was versus preparation. And we're not going to know until this year because, you know, was it Borrego not preparing the team correctly for what the other team had to bring in the first quarters? And you've seen them in many games come back and just not enough to win games, that's adjustment. So what, you know, you're right. Defense, they weren't great, but I think preparation, they were worse. Clifford, over five years in Charlotte, tallied a 196 and 214 record. Uh, he led the Hornets in the NBA playoffs twice. He was fired after the 2017-18 season, but then he was immediately hired by the Orlando Magic. Uh, coached three years there, had two postseason appearances in Orlando, uh, and then they mutually agreed to part ways after the 2020-21 season. I wonder if uh, – What's his record as a head coach overall? Do you have that? Uh, overall, it, no, not exactly. I mean, between – But he's under two, 50%. I know yeah, that. Yeah, he's under 50%. It's like a four, like .458, something like that. And that's what uh, you're hiring. And that's what you're hiring. It makes me wonder if it's a bridge hire. Have we seen the terms, Skyler, of, of the contract of the contract? Is it a short de- deal or do it's they a- do a three-year deal? I was actually trying to find some of the stuff I had on it. I can't figure out where I put it, but I, it, it was a three-year deal. And something within the contract, I'm not sure what it was, made me feel like that it was almost like a one-year kind of like not, not a tryout, but you know what I mean, like a one-year mm-hmm. see what happens. But I can't figure out where I put it. I had it hit somewhere here in my files. I have to keep digging for it. So let's okay. So let's circle back around to Thursday to the draft itself with the Hornets drafting Jalen Duran at 13. I didn't know who he was until ESPN rolled his highlight package. Wow. <laughs> I was like, yo, who is this? And like, I started watching him. I'm like, yo, I, I like this guy a lot better than Mark Williams. And then literally like 10 minutes went by and they were like, uh, yeah, they're trading him off to Detroit or something like that. He ended up, uh, 
believe it ended up with the Knicks when it was all said and done. Uh, no, he ended up with the Pistons. He got yeah. traded to the Knicks and then to the Pistons. Uh, so <laughs> thoughts on um, on this because they get, if I'm correct here, the compensation that the Hornets got for this. Three they got first rounds, right? Well, they no, they got a bunch of second round. They got a first round pick from Denver next year. They got the Knicks second round pick okay. next year. Utah second round pick next year. Uh, Dallas's second round pick next year, or, da- or Dallas or Miami, it goes to whichever one's the higher one. And then 2024, the Knicks second round pick. Uh, Cupchak mentioned that he loves stacking, you know, second round picks up. Uh, it's a lot of them. I don't know what they're going to do with them, but. Uh, Skyler mentioned it earlier on the program that uh, they didn't have a first. I think Atlanta has it next year and uh, more than likely it will be used. So there you have it. They, they moved that trade off so they could have that one. Plus people forget they had three first round picks last year. Like everyone's all complaining that they didn't use this pick on somebody. I'm like, Hey, who was it in this draft that they could pick at 13? That was going to be a game changer to the point where you're all complaining that they didn't take them. And, And B they just drafted three guys that we haven't really seen. And actually Mitch mentioned that uh, in the press conference that he felt like that they were kind of coming in as a rookie class too. Uh, James Booknight and JT Thor and uh, who am I missing? Uh, the other big man that they drafted last year. Uh, Kai, Jones. Uh, Kai Jones. So, I mean, they have those guys who all three of them, I think are under the age of 20 years old. Then they just drafted Mark Williams, who I think is around 20 years old and probably gonna get a chance to start right away. This is a really young team, so I'm not really sure. And what, like I, what did I tell you a couple of weeks ago? Desmond, what did I say two weeks ago on the show, and I said that they're going to go after one or two guys. They're going to go after Mark Williams or Jeremy Sokin, or Sokin, however you pronounce his name. And Baylor. he went a couple picks earlier. He went up. As soon as that happened, I the only thing that I thought, I picked this draft exactly the right way for the Hornets. The only thing I got wrong was, I thought they would trade the 15th pick and keep the 13th pick. They did it the opposite way um, and did the trade with the Pistons. But Mark Williams was their guy all the time. They yeah, liked well, Mark Williams. Really obvious. He, it was gonna be they made it very yeah. obvious. The only thing yeah. I did not like about this NBA draft, I'd love to get some opinions from you on this, is I don't like the way they do it. And I'll tell you why. Here you got a player being drafted. Then he's being traded. The Don player doesn't know where to be excited. Is he going to New York? Is he going to Detroit? Is he going to Italy? Where the heck is he going? And where in the other sports you make the trade first, then the team would come on like the Pistons and announce. Mm -hmm. But this guy's talking with a Knicks hat on, uh, and he's not even playing for the Knicks. He's playing for the Pistons. I don't like that, and I don't think it's fair to the individual player because they don't know where the heck they're going. And, you know, I noticed that, too, watching it. Uh, I wouldn't plan on watching draft night, but I started watching around pick five or six. No, I started from the beginning. My wife got on the phone, I think, with her mother or somebody. So, like, well, I guess I'm going to be here for a while. So, I just started watching the draft, and I got all the way past uh, 15 with the Hornets, and I turned it off. And I noticed that, too, where um, I think when Jalen Durant was drafted, he was wearing a Hornets hat. He was getting interviewed by Monica McNutt. And I think she said it to him, like, while he was sitting there, like, well, we don't know exactly where you're going, but how do you feel? No, she did. <laughs> it's like, what? Yep. So, and she did that a couple of times during the night. I understood she was in a tough spot because it's so fluid. But to Larry's point, you're right. The NBA is the only one where uh, it's really rare for them to trade the picks before they pick them. It's almost like the teams pick the players and then they swap the players, which makes it harder on the player. Uh, I did, did want to make it even worse. And then to make it even worse, you have the teams like <laughs> – the Hornets out there t- 
putting out a picture of Jalen Duran saying, welcome to Charlotte. Like you're making it worse. Like, why are we doing this? Like it, it made it that, that like 20 to 25 minutes span. You already when, knew you were trading him. Like, why would you put that right. out? I think they were going to trade him. What was, his, wait, what, was it, what was his response, Brandon? It was crazy, though. When he, he posted the pick of Kobe in the Hornets hat, and he pretty much like mimicked it. Oh, man. <laughs> wait, did you think they were going to trade the 15th pick for a coach? I don't even know if you can do that in the NBA. I know you can. Yeah, you can, actually. actually. You can, can you trade picks but for... I'm kidding around. I'm being sarcastic. There was, I got to a point, I think Friday, right before they announced Clifford, where I'm thinking, well, who's out there? There's nobody out there. There's no one left. Like, who's left for them to hire? Uh, Quinn Snyder's not coming. Mark I, Jackson. I, I've turned on the Mark Jackson idea. Like, I read an article about Mark Jackson. I, know it's lot, about. I think we talked about it last week and about how he yeah. got let go from Golden State, and a lot of it was not put out. That the man is very, very, very religious and pushes yeah. his religion on his players, and there was a big turnoff, and that's why he hasn't been hired yeah. since he got let go from Golden State. Something else too, I want to mention real quick before we talk about the top of the draft, and we got to hit a quick break. I um, I have seen when it comes to Mark Jackson, when the Warriors won, I saw so many people on Twitter trying to give flowers to Mark Jackson for this this win, this victory. Mark Jackson hasn't coached the Golden State Warriors in eight years, like. Yeah. It, 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 this isn't even the same roster <laughs> like that he had way back in 2014 when he was coaching this team. Uh, Steve Kerr deserves all the, the accolades in the world for being the head coach of this team and getting them over the oh, hump. Yeah, Mark Jackson yeah he did. He I did mean, get him over the hump, but Mark Jackson handed him gold. Like the core is still the same. But he, hand, he handed him gold, but he didn't know exactly what it was when he handed it to him because they were he, horrible. he was horrible on offense as a coach with Golden State. They were like towards the bottom of the league. They were oh, – no, no, excuse me, on defense. They did not play hardly any defense. I was going to say, they much. used to score points. Yeah. They were but that was also pre-Draymond. That was yeah. also pre-Draymond, though. Like, I, just feel, I, I just feel like the only people left are Clay, Steph, Draymond – out of that core from when he was there and he really only had them for what like a, like two years something like that so it's like saying doug collins is responsible for the chicago bulls dynasty because he had jordan and pippen and those guys a year or two before phil jackson took over and ran you know it's doug the exact collins, same yeah. thing it's like doug collins had nothing to do with the 1998 chicago bulls <laughs> like at all like and mark jackson has nothing to do with these golden state warriors who right. just won four and eight years he's a great guy I thought about him with Charlotte, walked off the ledge. But uh, real quick with the top of the draft, how surprised were you to uh, – starting off with you, Brandon, how surprised were you that Paulo Bancaro went number one overall? Was he the best player in this draft? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it was a surprise at all. I'd have been, I saw, like, all the talk about Jabari Smith, who's also another talented guy. I think he fits better with Houston. But um, Paulo, man, he's just a monster. I think he's going to be an impact player from day one. I think the Magic have a lot of interchangeable parts. They got a lot of length. Uh, Cole Anthony, uh, you know, Jalen Suggs, solid backcourt. I think I hope Jonathan Isaac comes back and is healthy for those guys. But, yeah, they, they made the great pick. They, they took the franchise guy here. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm glad Brandon's with us uh, this week because I know one of his guys is Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving has been – uh, I don't even know how to describe what's happening <laughs> in Brooklyn. I, it, it, it takes Kyrie Irving to make me feel bad for Kevin Durant, like for what's going on right now. Uh, and I'm not even sure if I feel bad for Kevin Durant. We're going to talk about this. Kyrie Irving might be on the move. He might be testing free agency. Can we see a reunion between 
Kyrie Irving and LeBron James in L.A., which is something that I actually asked for on this show three years ago that they should have went after him when it was falling apart in Boston, but it just never happened. If it happens, I hope they lose. <laughs> we'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to The Rundown, WWBG, 1470 AM. It's com. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, and my game starts to slide, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear, I have no fear. If my brother got my gun, my brother got my gun. Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for Triad Sports. Oh, are we right here? Are we right here? Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. Hey, are you sitting around wondering how much your house is worth in today's economy? We'll wonder no more. Just ask your agent. Jenny Fulton with Allen Tate Realtors can help. Contact Jenny today for a free analysis on your home. Call her at 336-978-0041 or email at jenny.fulton at allentate.com and get the easy process started today. Why wait? In the market to buy, Jenny can help you find a perfect home in the triad also. Jenny Fulton. Allen Tate Realty, call 336-978-0041, start the process, and ask your agent today. Welcome to The Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Great coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. This is Davis Troxler, the proud owner of North Carolina Golf Academy and the director of instruction. Don't let your golf game suffer from this dreary winter season. Come hit some golf balls, take a lesson. You can call us at 336-324-2374 for details. Thank you and keep it in the fairway. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Happy Saturday to the Triad here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You're locked into the rundown with your host, that's me, Desmond Johnson, Brandon Blakeney, Larry Frank, Skylar Callahan in the house. Uh, if you want to leave a hot take, comment on something one of us might have said, give your opinion, you can actually do so to interact with us live. Just go to our Facebook Watch YouTube channel at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Twitter at Tobacco Radio, or LinkedIn. Watch the show, comment, have a little fun. Uh, our buddy Kyrie Irving's back in the news. Um, 
<laughs> as we bring back in uh, the panel with Skylar Brandon and Larry. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie is an interesting uh, dude here. Um, he's just, I don't know what to do with this guy. So apparently Irving and the Brooklyn Nets have come to some sort of impasse in terms of uh, an extension for him. And he has actually had the, uh, the audacity to give them a list of teams <laughs> that he would be willing to do a sign and trade for uh, if it can't work out from, th- from there. I think he has until Wednesday to sign, to opt in uh, to his player option, which is like, I think, $39 million or something for next year. His list was an interesting list. It includes the Los Angeles Lakers, the LA Clippers, the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, the Dallas Mavericks, and the Philadelphia 76ers. None of those teams have the cap space to sign him without Brooklyn – uh, cooperating on a sign and trade, and sources are saying that some of those teams aren't even interested in acquiring him. I'm gonna give the floor to Brandon first because Kyrie is one of his favorite players. What in the world is going on? And if you're Kevin Durant, what do you do now? I know he said that he's kind of it's his choice and that he needs to work it out on his own, and then he'll see what to do from there. But a, if you're Kyrie, what, what's the what's the long play here? What are you trying to do? And and b, if you're Kevin Durant. What are you doing? Because are you looking to to get traded off someplace yourself? You just signed a, a long term extension with the idea you're going to have James Harden and Kyrie Irving with you. Harden is now gone uh, because of uh, apparent friction with Irving. What's happening? <laughs> Tell me what, what's your what's your opinion here, Brandon? Because uh, your boys seems like every week it's something with uh, Kyrie and uh, yet again it's Brooklyn ain't played in like a month and some change. Uh, well, probably longer than that, like going on two months. Uh, What's the deal with Kyrie? Hey, man, y'all know Brother Kyrie marches to a beat of his own drum, to his own drum. Oh. Um, I think, honestly, man, he's trying to win a couple more rings and bounce. Kyrie doesn't t- strike me as the type of guy, and he's kind of said it that, you know, he's going to play a few years, enjoy the game, give us a few shows, and he's going to be out, man. So, I mean, I'd say in the next three, probably three years, man, Kyrie, if he gets him a couple rings, he's probably going to retire and go live his life. He's obviously interested in other things more than bas- or just as much as basketball as it comes off. But I think, man, he wants to go back to L.A. I feel like – or go to L.A., I should yeah. say. Man, I think he wants to reunite with LeBron. He saw that it was not sweeter on the other side. The grass was not greener. No. He is not winning championships without LeBron. I think he's realizing how good he had it. He's grown. He's matured since that time. And I think he realizes, man, hey, I might have messed up. I think he ends up in L.A. I think that they make that work. I think he goes to the Lakers. And then I think Kevin Durant is up out of there. If I'm him, I'm trying to get down to Miami as quick as possible. Ooh. Like, I feel, I hate both of these guys. I feel like they're destroying <laughs> the league. It's like you can't figure out. We just had the past two NBA champions were built through the draft. Milwaukee, Golden State. Yeah, they added pieces here and there, but their cores were drafted. To the point where even Adam Silver, when he opened up the NBA draft on Thursday night, I took notice that he mentioned that in his opening speech that the past two champions have done it from this night, from the draft, and blah, blah, blah. It was almost like he was saying, this is the right way to do it. And it seems like the trend is going back that way. Instead of grouping up like three stars and a bunch of like vet men around them, it's like if you got two guys, which is the way it used to always be, if you got at least two guys that are like top 20, you got a shot to do something. And it feels like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have almost tried to hit a cheat code of some sort to kind of short step to get to the finals and win rings 
with the idea that 20 years from now, people aren't going to talk about how they got the rings. They'll just show them with two rings or three rings or whatever. But in the case of Kevin Durant, I've already said, I don't think I can ever put him in my top 10 of all time just because of the movement that he's had and the teams he's played for and what he's tried to do. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, I I agree with you, Brandon. I think Kyrie might retire in the next two or three years. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I think so. Skyler, um, beat writer for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, how long for Kyrie Irving's in Charlotte? No, uh, he's not coming here. But uh, I, I wish. I wish. Uh, out of this list of teams, uh, which would be the most likely for him to land with? The Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavericks, 76ers. I mean, I think L.A. makes probably the most sense. But, I mean, he he did have a lot of interest in going to the Knicks before he went to the Nets. So, I think that's a possible spot. I, I'm, I'm just with you, Desmond, like, these guys like Kyrie, KD, even LeBron, like I just can't stand the ring chasing. Yeah. Like, just go and and be where you are. The team. You hear that, that? LeBron? He said. Yeah, and LeBron. <laughs> I, and, and LeBron. And LeBron's getting you know, because of it, I think. But yeah. now, if he stays with the Lakers and maybe wins another title or something like that, then it's going to elevate him to a different level. But of, if he bounces, like, you know. But if he bounces from L.A. If he and goes oh, he's going to end up back in Cleveland at some point. LeBron, you think? You think he would go back to Cleveland? I was thinking Cleveland? the same thing, Brandon. I think hmm. so. I don't know. I mean, that's just the, – the thing is, when you see teams like Golden State and, and, and Milwaukee win it, like, you appreciate that because they, they actually did the work. They went out there and built that thing organically. And that's what Mitch Kupchak wants to do with the Hornets. Now, whether or not that's going to work, who knows, but – he drafted Lamelo Ball. The, the Hornets drafted Miles Bridges. Like they, they're drafting these guys. They're not. I understand fans are getting mad because they're not going out there and trading for DeAndre Ayton, or they're not going to probably trade for Miles Turner. But this is what they want to do. They want to build it organically, and it's also the cheaper way to do it. So when you go out and get guys like Kyrie Irving, you're not only bringing a forty million dollar price tag along. You're bringing drama. You're bringing instability. You're bringing a guy that may not even play half the year. So I, I heard the part about him running practices after Steve Kerr ran practices. And I'm just like, huh? <laughs> like you're, you're gathering guys to run a separate practice after the coach just ran a practice. This is the same dude that said at the beginning of the year when they hired Steve Kerr or not Steve Kerr, um, Steve Nash, excuse me, that they didn't maybe didn't even need a coach. Like he showed us who he was at the very beginning and we chose to ignore it. And like, do you want and for for Hornets fans that are going to start bringing this up because it's going to happen at some point where the fan base is like, oh yeah, bring Kyrie back to North Carolina. Do you want Kyrie Irving? No, all? no. he was because only here for like eight minutes. <laughs> if that same mindset gets to Lamelo, he's going to go start wanting to go ring chase too. Yeah, yeah. I just saw Lamelo bought like a twenty million dollar house in Los Angeles like last week yeah. or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's that Puma money. Uh, <laughs> he's not necessarily attached. Now he said all the right things that you know he loves it in Charlotte, play for one team, all that good stuff. But we'll he's twenty. Yeah, we'll you know, see. Like, when he's twenty five, yeah, we'll that might look completely different. Um, uh, Larry, out of these teams, <laughs> out of these teams that Kyrie has put on his list, who would be the best fit for uh, for Kyrie Irving? No one, because Kyrie Irvin is a cancer to any team he goes to. Look what he did to the Nets. He took a team that people were talking about becoming a dynasty and completely ruined it, completely ruined it because of his ignorance and his selfishness. And you know what? 
you talk about some people are talking about him going to LA. LeBron and him will kill each other because they're going to both want the stage. And don't tell me LA has enough room for both of them to be on stage. It won't happen. I mean, I think they do. You got to look at Davis. Davis is the alpha in, in LA, really. Now, like AD was getting those shots during the title run. But will LeBron, will LeBron stand three years ago when they were looking for AD? This is why I wanted Kyrie in the first place because I was like, okay, I can see the line of secession because I'm a Laker fan. So it was like, okay, you got LeBron, you get AD, you sign Kyrie uh, when he went to Brooklyn. He was a, if I'm not mistaken, he was a free agent when he signed there. And you know that way, when LeBron retires, you hand the you hand off the the torch to AD and Kyrie, and you keep going. You keep that traditional Laker big man point guard relationship there, and LeBron gets a ring or two out of it and walks off into the sunset. Instead. Yeah, but- Kyrie decides to go make his own thing, realizes that it's wrong, he can't do it. I feel like the only person in the league that Kyrie would actually listen to is LeBron James. Like he's right. the only one he would look up to and fall in line and be happy being his Robin because that's where he's had the most success. He's never been past the second round of the playoffs without LeBron James on his team. Like, Kyrie, Kyrie will not wow. listen. Kyrie will not listen. Kyrie is selfish. And why would you want a guy that you can't even trust to play here? Like Skyler say, you know, that's not a team player. That is not a team player. You don't need two freaking egos like LeBron and Kyrie in L.A. Look, they didn't win with Westbrook. Why? Because the egos got in the way. The egos are going to get well, they, they were just kind of bad. Yeah. They, <laughs> okay, but, so, but you have stars that are bad. You know what? I would love to see it, Brandon. I would love to see Kyrie go to L.A. and for them to come in the bottom of the conference. Because just I don't see it. You. Not and with you that D3. But you know D3. why? Because you don't you build a championship games. by buying people. You build a championship through the draft. I mean, both ways have worked. Well, LeBron kind of ushered this in. LeBron ushered in this era of, like, you know, waking up with Celtics kind of. I put that more on Danny Ainge and hey, Kevin Carroll I mean, doing that. The more first super team. What about Barkley and the, that Rockets team? They were old. They, they were like they, in their mid-30s I mean, like, when they got together. The, the, the Lakers had Gary Payton, Carl Bloom. Uh, hey, man, Gary Payton was 40. Hey, they, <laughs> still 40 little, they still tried to build a How about the current Celtics? Now. How are they doing it right now? Do the draft. It's it's yeah. Yeah. it's changing. You're right what you're saying, Brandon. But, but the time of buying that's all I'm wait, saying. Wait, wait. Both Whoa. ways work. Wait, hold on. Both those teams there's a difference here though, because the teams that Brandon mentioned, the 04 Lakers and no, I'm talking about uh, today. Rocket teams. Yeah, I know. I'm just Celtics. saying that the Celtics with the with Kevin Durant and Ray Allen, mm-hmm. those guys, those teams were built by front offices, not by the players. The the, the difference here in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving talked to each other and decided to go there together. Like it didn't matter who that the GM of the Nets wanted them. The players chose to go there and play. Right. That's I mean, players than, are closer now. Yeah. That, I mean, and the saying, are still all right. yeah. You, you, I mean, players were still making deals back then. They're still talking about it. Like Carl Malone, they, I'm sure he had a conversation with Shaq and Kobe. Oh yeah, but th- but again, he's not in his prime. Like these these guys, Durant's in right. his prime. Irving's in his prime. LeBron was in his prime when he linked up in Miami with. D Wade and Chris Bosch, they were in their primes. Like they're they were taking shorter deals to line them up so they could go someplace together. And right. back then, before the 92 Dream Team, that never happened. Like the 92 Dream Team actually ushered in all this because that's when they wow. all started becoming friends. That's the well, they weren't friends back then. Yeah. yeah. Desmond, you want my hard take? You want my hot take? Eric, yeah. 
if Kyrie goes to L.A., they are still a playing team because Kyrie and Anthony Davis combined still may only play 50 games for the season. See, that's the problem. If they're healthy, if they're healthy, that's, well, that's a title contender. That's if, if they're that's, healthy. That's, yeah. that's a but loaded. restrictions are also different in L.A. than New York, so he'd be able to play. And you got to look. But he come up with something else. He he took a week off when the George Floyd thing happened because he, he was, was just out there playing. getting buckets and fast, and he played better than KD, and he was drinking water. The rest of the West <laughs> is so good. Like if you look I agree, though, like they Utah, are. if you look at Utah, Denver, Phoenix, the Clippers. I mean, I mean, Utah without Gobert, though, if they end up trading Gobert, we don't even know what Utah's going to look like. True. I will say that. But if you look at all those teams in the West, I don't know that you can look and say, even if they do have Kyrie, that they're going to for sure be a top six team in that in that conference. I just don't feel like LeBron needs to retire to kind of keep his spot on the top ten. But he's going to play to surpass Kareem, and then I don't know what happens after that. He hasn't committed to the Lakers beyond, I think, next year. So going back to to Skyler's point, what you got to weigh out is, is Kyrie worth the drama that he brings with him to L.A.? No. His talent matches it if if he plays. If he, he plays, <laughs> yeah. we, we got McCaffrey all over. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he plays. There's that one. <laughs> McCaffrey's out there. Um, I got. I got to let the panel go. We got Dave Gorn from the National Sports Media Association coming up here in just a bit. It's awards weekend here in Winston Salem. Uh, rumors: There's a Charles Barkley sighting uh, somewhere in Winston. Uh, they're honoring uh, the golf course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're honoring one of my all-time uh, favorites, Stuart Scott, going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, uh, Winston-Salem native, graduated from uh, R.J. Reynolds, uh, went to UNC, and, of course, we all know what he did at ESPN Sports Center. Uh, Dave Gorn, up next. You're listening to The Rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Back to the Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown here on WWBG 1470 AM and com. Keep in mind, every Saturday morning, you're able to watch us now. Facebook Watch, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, we're all over the place. If you want to participate in the show live and interact with us, our, our crazy takes, if you want to give one yourself, you can do so, as you see at the bottom of the screen there. Just go to our YouTube feed or our Facebook Watch. Actually type in your question or comment. We will answer it live on the air. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here with you every Saturday. And joining us right now, he is the director of the National Sports Media Association, based right here in the triad in Winston-Salem, Dave Gorin, friend of the program. What's going on, Dave? How are you doing? I know you're uh, not too busy this week, right? No, not at all. And I, first of all, <laughs> let me say thank you for having me, and thank you for the Toto walk-up music there. That was Oh, you like that? Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I did. It's, one of, it's, one of, 
one, one of the more underrated bands of the uh, of the seventies and eighties. I thought. I you know it's it's crazy too because my friends look at me like I'm nuts because I I listen to all kinds of stuff. My my mom exposed me to a lot of like uh you know like 70s rock and just like 80s stuff back when radio played everything like on one station i'm just kind of mm -hmm. used to that and then coming from you know 90s hip-hop that was heavily sampled digging in the crates type stuff that's where you go back and find stuff like that that you can flip into other things so i have a uh a, a soft spot in my heart for the classics and the, the good stuff <laughs> when you actually had to go in the studio and actually play instruments and and make music uh this is a Huge weekend uh, for Winston-Salem. Uh, first time really in the past couple of years you've really been able to do it this big. The 62nd annual SNMA uh, Award weekend. Um, it's let's, let's I wanted to focus on the four that are going into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, first, Dave, uh, Curry Kirkpatrick, UNC graduate, uh, wrote for Sports Illustrated for years, Newsweek, ESPN, The Magazine, and Jackie McMullen, uh, former Boston Globe writer. Younger generations probably know her better uh, as her role on ESPN, which I think she just recently kind of wrapped up. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a fixture on the NBA programming with them. Uh, always in the middle of something. She's always got the scoop in terms of what's going on uh, with the stars in the league. Give me uh, your thoughts on both Kirkpatrick and McMullen and what they have meant to sports writing, uh, basketball in particular. Well, you know, Curry Kirkpatrick, for my money, is one of the best of all time. Nobody could turn a phrase like he could. You know, a lot of people try to be funny. He just was. I mean, he just – some people have that gift where they can write funny, and Curry Kirkpatrick could write funny. Um, he's one of those, you know, profile – long-form profile writers that SI had that they were blessed with, you know, such as Frank DeFord and Lee Jenkins later on. and um, You know, you could go – Rick Riley, Gary Smith, um, just some of the all-time greats. And you, know, you would know the subject of his profile better than that person probably knew him or herself. I mean, that's how good he was at doing what he did. Uh, and then Jackie McMullen was actually contemporary. When I started in the TV business in, in Providence and Boston back in the mid-80s, she was just starting at the Globe. So we used to run into each other all the time at you know, Celtics playoff games or Bruins games or you know, Red Sox every once in a while. So, you know, I've known her for 30 plus years. And, you know, I think it's a sign of her getting old when your contemporaries start going in the Hall of Fame. But um, you know, she, she knew the game of basketball and still does better than anybody. You know, she played in high school. She was very good. She played at the University of New Hampshire. So she, she came by her basketball knowledge firsthand. And, and is as good as anybody who's done it in the last generation and a half. And then uh, the third member going into a uh, uh, sportscaster, Hubie Brown. I think a lot of people don't remember or, or they never knew that, you know, Hubie won an ABA championship as a coach. Um, also coaching the NBA and then started a sportscasting career there. The one person, though, that's going into this class that I can say has had uh, a major influence on how I talk and report on sports is none other than uh, Winston-Salem's own Stuart Scott. Um, I remember as a kid watching ESPN Sports Center. Like Sports Center was like must-see TV. Like when Stuart was on uh, that eleven o'clock Sports Center with him, uh, Rich Eisen, uh, that pairing at night, and then uh, Scott Van Pelt later on with him. It just he had a way of, of explaining a, a sports story 
that was just so unique to the the medium at the time. And I know he had to go through a lot of things to break glass ceilings to even be able to do that uh, at ESPN. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Graduated from R.J. Reynolds in 1983. Um, graduated from Carolina in 87. Synonymous with ESPN. Talk a little bit to me about your thoughts on how Stewart changed the way that we all do sports highlights now. Because really, it, that type of Stewart Scottness that he was doing, you know, that I don't want to call it looseness, but it was just kind of a a certain fingerprint that he had when he would do a highlight. You see it sprinkled all over now uh, across the country, no matter where it is, of people trying to lace humor and that kind of thing into it to keep it exciting. He really kind of, in my opinion, kind of started that. Give me your thoughts on Stewart getting put into the uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about when we were talking about the music, how, you know, he kind of was the first one who brought a little bit of a hip-hop sensibility to doing what he did. I think there were people who were funny before him, you know, Keith Olbermann, Dan Patrick kind of laid that blueprint at ESPN on SportsCenter. Um, and that they all had that at that time, the 80s and 90s. And uh, But Stewart, you know, was one of the first people of color who actually brought that cultural way you talk to TV or radio. And obviously, as you just said, that opened the door for people who might look like him who said, who said, all of a sudden, well, you know what? It's okay to talk the way we talk, and and so yeah, that's uh, he's a first. He's one of the people who who broke the barrier and unfortunately passed away way too young. Uh, his daughters will be here to accept his Hall of Fame plaque. And you talked about Scott Van Pelt, with whom he worked, who's one of our national sportscasters of the year. He will present Stewart for induction. What better person to do that than, yeah, awesome. than SVP? So. Um, it's kind of putting a little, a nice neat bow on that package. So, um, and, and to do it in his hometown, I think makes it more special. Talk to his high school principal, Stan Elrod the other night, he's going to be there on Monday night. And, uh, he talked about just what a great young man Stuart was. He said he was in the, he was president of the, not the Glee club, the key club <laughs> at RJ Reynolds high school, um, you know, played football. And was just, he said, was just a tremendous human being. So to be able to take part in that. And, you know, he was another contemporary, a little bit younger than me. But, you know, I worked alongside him and a couple live shots. I remember NCAA basketball tournament in Charlotte at the old, the old, new, old Coliseum that's since been torn down. Uh, he was working at WESH in Orlando. We were sister stations when I was here in Winston-Salem and, you know, standing five feet from him doing our six o'clock and 11 o'clock you know, sports hits. So, um, and last time I saw him, I was at, had a little ESPN compound tour when they were doing Monday night football at uh, Panthers game in Charlotte and you know, had access to their talent trailer. And, you know, we, we said, hi, he, you could tell though, Stuart, and he was sick then, uh, but you could tell he was focused on, on his job and very businesslike, but, uh, it was good to see him, I guess, one last time before he passed. Yeah, taken much too soon from the world. Uh, I think it was age 46, I believe it was, something like that, um, in 2015. So, um, again, I think Stewart, honestly, I don't know if I would be here doing this with Tobacco Road if it wasn't for Stewart Scott. Like, I, I really honestly feel like every once in a while I'll throw out the who's your table of four. If you could sit down with three other people for dinner, 
uh, in the sports world, who would it be? And Stuart Scott, Stuart Scott is one of the three that I would have at my table along with Michael Jordan. And I don't know who the fourth one would be uh, right now, but those two definitely, they never change. It's always Jordan Stuart Scott that I would have at that dinner table. Um, and he just, he just, he filtered in like a new way to do this. Um, and I think he made it where before maybe I might have had to change who I am or, or how I speak or present myself uh, on a medium like this, just because it was the norm. Um, he kind of made it where you could figure out a way to, to integrate, you know, your own experiences and your own background mm -hmm. and turn it into more you like, you know, allowing the viewer to, to, Tune in for you, as opposed to you be you. News. Yeah, you that know, was his one of his <laughs> sayings. You be you. You right? be you. So you know, shout out to Stuart Scott and his beautiful family. Um, he'll be honored this weekend as well. The uh, the director of the NSMA, Dave Gorn, joining us here this morning on the rundown. Um, the NSMA awards finally kind of this. So this will be the first like kind of normal year for you guys since the pandemic kind of happened. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I don't know that we're back to normal. You know, we had the short turnaround because we did the the canceled, postponed 2021 banquet in December. So we right had, that was the last time we were speaking to each other. Yeah, six six months, which is not enough time to get ready. But there we are. Uh, you know, people show up today and we go. Yeah. Um. And, and then, but it you know it, it's the first back to late June since 2019. So at least get back on our regular schedule. You know, one of the, the beauties of moving it to the last weekend in June was we were out of NBA and NHL finals, but well, NHL still going on because they, they're now a week later. I'm hoping they'd go back and start a week earlier and end a week earlier next year, just yeah. in case we have any hockey winners. Yeah. Um, and then baseball, obviously, those people are working in season, hard to get them. Unless maybe, you know, we've had some people fly in just for the big awards banquet on Monday night because it's an mm -hmm. off day in some respects for some teams. Uh, the the national sportscasters of the year 2021, a tie for the first time. Uh, I love who tied. Uh, TNT's Ernie Johnson and ESPN's Scott Van Pelt. We were talking about Stuart Scott and how he kind of ushered in this kind of wave of guys that are able to uh, walk to the beat of their own drummer, I guess you could say. Ernie and Scott. Uh, you can almost you can almost say Scott Van Pelt's a disciple of Stuart Scott to a certain uh, sense in terms of he kind of took that torch and ran with it. He's kind of the the main well he's not kind of he is he's the main guy on ESPN right now. They position him at night alongside you know Stephen A in the mornings. Uh, Scott Van Pelt is what puts you to bed at night in terms of taking over that that 11 p.m. Sports Center, and then uh, Ernie. You know, during the ship on probably the greatest sports panel show out today inside the NBA, uh, having to control uh, Shaq, <laughs> Kenny Smith, and Charles Barkley uh, on a nightly basis. Talk to me a little bit about both of these guys getting in. Uh, oh, and also shout out to Jeff Passan, ESPN's Jeff Passan, the 2021 sports writer, national sports writer of the year as well. But uh, Ernie and Scott both going in as a tie. How did that come about? Um, and why got this been a tie before? It feels like this could have happened already. Well, well, you know, with hundreds of people voting, what are the odds you're going to have two people end up with the same number to lead it and the same number of votes? Yeah, so, it's meant to be. Um, <laughs> it's meant to be. <laughs> the, uh, now. And the, you're right about, and let me go back. You're, you're right about Scott Van Pelt. I think he is, he was the kind of next half generation and contemporary of Stewart and disciple of Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, kind of that sardonic look at sports. So. 
Um, you know, he's coming in, I think, off of a family vacation, so glad we're getting him. And then Ernie Johnson, yeah, I don't know anybody can control those three on that show. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, if his humanity doesn't come through that that TV camera and the TV screen, I don't know. I don't know what does. So I, I couldn't be happier in, in the, the two that tied for that award. Um, the North Carolina, each state gets their own sportscaster of the year, sports writer of the year. In North Carolina, the sportscaster of the year was Adam Gold, uh, 99.5, the fan uh, here in the triad. Uh, up until recently, you're able to hear him uh, middays. And then uh, Sports Writer of the Year, a friend of uh, Tobacco Road, Joe Person from The Athletic, uh, the Carolina Panthers beat writer. Um, talk to me a little bit about Adam and, uh, and Joe. Uh, with Adam, uh, he kind of he, he came in and over really the course of the – was it before the pandemic? I think it was right before the pandemic. Uh, he kind of came in and took over that slot that had been long held by David Glenn, who's been a former – uh north carolina i think he was a sportscaster of the year in 2019 if i'm not mistaken uh, or 2020 so 2019. yeah so he uh he came in and took that slot the dg had had for a long time across the whole state really and uh turned into his own uh he's doing well in the triangle and then of course joe person uh has the uh, the job of trying to report on what in the world the carolina panthers are doing in charlotte uh <laughs> over the course of the past 12 months uh with these guys here they're they're like guys they're names that they get put in here like every year. Uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about how what's the process for like the sports caster of the year? What do, what do you do to kind of figure out your nominees for these states and then uh, and, and electing winners? Well, uh, typically our members get to nominate. It was up to three this past year. We, we decided to open it up up to five people for each position in their state. And we now take the top five for each position and those are the finalists and the members get to vote in December and they get to uh, to pick them until December 31st and then I start calling them all. So two worthy winners, you know, Adam, you know, New York native, but he's been here forever. And I think, it, I think it might've taken the triangle a little bit, a little bit of time to get used to, uh, you know, yeah. a carpet bagger from the university of Maryland who's from New York and, you know, talks, Talks that way we Northerners do, um, but he is—he is so well versed in, in everything. Um, you know, I consider myself a hockey guy. I follow him on Twitter and all of his tweets because he covers the Hurricanes regularly. He does. Um, he's spot on with all of his analysis. Um, and then Joe Person, you know, because he writes for the Athletic, you know, it's all Panthers all the time. That's his beat. He lives it. He breathes it. Whatever, whatever you want to know about the Panthers, he's your guy. And we actually, uh, me and Joe, have been playing uh, uh, hot potato with the phone the past couple of weeks. We'll have Joe back on probably, I'd imagine, probably sometime in July as mini camps about to kick off for the NFL mm-hmm. here in just a couple of weeks. Um, and then finally, uh, uh, NSMA director Dave Gorn here with us uh, Saturday morning, getting ready to kick off NSMA award weekend. Uh, I've seen it on social media. I saw it pop up a couple of times. Are we getting a Charles Barkley appearance here this weekend? Uh, what's well, if, the deal with that? How did that come if, about? If you, if you notice, the, one of the posts said we, in all caps, think I was gonna Charles say, yeah. Barkley is coming. <laughs> so here's what happened. Curry Kirkpatrick, Hall of Fame inductee, at the Final Four, he asked Charles to present him for induction. And Charles said, I'll get back to you. Well, he didn't hear from him right away. So 
Curry asked Leslie Visser, and she's coming to present him for induction. And then he asked Bob Costas, who's done a video for him um, that we will also play. And then three weeks ago, Charles got back to Curry and said, I can do it. My schedule is clear. I'll be there. So I said, I had said to Curry, who called me and told me, I said, well, let me know if he needs a hotel room, if he needs a ride from the airport, you know, we'll, we'll hook him up. And I don't know that Curry has talked to him since. However, Turner Sports's PR guy, Nate Smeltz, who I dealt with for, you know, the, the Ernie Johnson and the, you know, they, they had the best documentary, the inside story on inside mm -hmm. the NBA. Yeah, great. great um, Nate talked to him two weeks ago and Charles told him he was coming. So we think he's coming. I okay, hope he's so coming. I love, I love Charles Parker. <laughs> I, yeah, I do too. I, I'm very uh, interested to see Chuck in and a Winston. little story, a little Charles Barkley story for you. I'm 25 years old, freelancing as a fill-in sports producer at WCVB TV in Boston, and the sports director says, "Why don't you go down to Boston Garden? Sixers are playing the Celtics." Said, "See if you can get Charles Barkley to do a six o'clock live interview with just the you know earpiece, so the talent's back at the station." I'm walking in now. Charles and I, I think are about the same age, but still as a 25 year old, it's a little intimidating to walk into an NBA locker room before the game and say, Hey, will you do me a favor? Yeah. You don't even know me <laughs> and come out on the court and do a live interview at six o'clock. You know, Charles Barkley did that interview, right? Wow. Wow. You think he remembers that? Think he remembers back nope. then? Nope. he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, will I bring it up if he's here? Yes, I will. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see if he remembers. I don't. Well, well, my friend, I appreciate you coming on. I want to bring you back on as we get closer to college football season. We'll bring you on. Uh, we were doing school panels for the Big Four, and of course, I had you on uh, the Wake Forest panel. Uh, Wake, maybe, possibly, potentially, in position to do some things uh, going into so. the fall. So uh, we'll definitely keep up with uh, the Demon Deacon football program as we get closer and closer to the fall. We just started summer, and I feel like <laughs> fall is going to yeah. be right around. Well, the you, know, you know, we actually start football in the summer, not the fall. Yes. Yeah, we, we, get, we get a good month of summer football before fall comes. Pretty much, especially here. I mean, the high school season starts August the 19th, so yeah. we're already in planning mode for uh, for our high school football stuff. Uh, director of uh, the National Sports Media Association, Dave Gorin, here with us. Uh, appreciate you being on this Saturday morning on The Rundown, and we'll definitely have you back soon, my friend. Have a good day. Have a good rest of your weekend. Thanks. Coming up, more from The Rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson.